two, one. Fragments of silicon. Now with 20% more silicon per fragment. to another installment of Fragments of Silicon. Uh, hopefully all of our microphone issues are um, not an issue this week. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it seems to be better so far, at least. Yeah, but um, we're it's kind of gut check time now because you know we're actually recording, we're actually on stream. I'm like, but everything seems to be indicating that um, everybody's audible, nobody's cutting out. Yada yada yada. All right. Um, anyway, I'm your host Adam. Joining me um, are Ogre. No, hoi hoi. Yeah, he's back on a full-time basis, as far as I can tell. Told something else health-related. <laughs> Takes me out. Yeah. Naka, yeah, Naka will continue to not be a part of this program. Just putting that out there right now. Um. Galix. Hi. I'm not feeling good, but I'm feeling better than I was on sat, sat, Saturday. Sun, well, Sunday as well. Or Sunday. Yeah. Um, Petty Fan. Yo. And Twilight. Hi. <laughs> Alright, um, shifting to the news. Um, Twilight, why don't you start us off? I'm listening now. And this past Saturday, my uncle um, came to visit. I don't see him very often. And uh, <clears throat> then Sunday, me and my mother went to check out burial plots for her father. Oh, that's not good. And they're, they're fine health-wise. Just fear we go ahead and get that taken care of. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's a, it's a small piece of it. real estate you can look for early. Yeah. We seem to have come to a decision, but to wait and see. Otherwise, in um, gaming, um, picked up um, Breath of the Wild, and we enjoying it so far. Right on, for, uh, for, for Wii U or for Switch? Um, Wii U. Cool. I don't think anybody here has a Switch yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping not in, in April. Excuse me. Yeah. And uh, besides that, um, been playing games for the show, and that's about it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm assuming that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Um, Ogre, you're up. Well, today I went into the dentist to go get my framework fitted in, my teeth. Nothing permanent yet, but two more steps when I thought it would be one more step, but who's counting at this point? I'm shocked you haven't ripped your dentist's teeth out and used his yet. <laughs> mm, 
kind of I'm at that over the hill moment where it's like I'd be pissed if we were three steps back, but we're almost at the finish line. I can limp the way there. <laughs> you you just want your teeth. I want my fucking corn. <laughs> I haven't had corn on the cob in months, and it's killing me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really from this, Ohio, nice. we do corn on the yeah. cob during the summer. <laughs> Like 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 an important sort of seasonal event. I mean, without that, it would be a, an incomplete year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Naka got a switch. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. Got Breath of the Wild as well. Didn't take it out of the box. He actually got it that Monday that we recorded. Like. Huh. And none of us were stupid enough to try to eat the Zelda cartridge because Thank we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> this thing has a bittering on it. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> or, or you, you know, you can you can watch the uh, innumerable YouTube videos testing this shit out. Yeah. Because uh, because apparently, you know, y you had to see for yourself. I'm my like, favorite, my favorite one was the. Does the switch break if you run over it with the car? Yes. As it turns out, I'm like, yeah, I think we can kind of break that one away from you. Yes, that happens. Yeah, I saw that video. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure what you were expecting. Like, <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, Other than that, it is an original Game Boy. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they they do have a one that survived Desert Storm, so. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, crazy. it's like um, the Switch isn't nearly as well built as a, a fucking Game Boy. It's like comparing a car from the 1950s to a, to a car from today. It's a little I, known I fact. That. The, it's a little known fact, but the Nintendium mines started to become depleted in the early 2000s. Adam, I had that exact scene from Back to the Future 2 pop up in my head. Exactly. And <laughs> no, that's this car's made of steel. Ours made of aluminum. He'll cut through it like a piece of paper. <laughs> and that, that was actually true. That, that was actually true. Cars oh, yeah. Like cars used to be made of steel, and they could just... Well, that, that's because they had no safety features. They were kind of built like, built like a tank to take the impact. <laughs> so... But, uh, let's see. Other than that, recording's going fine. Eh. We're a little bit ahead. It's kind of weird seeing the comments lag, lag behind, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not something that can really be helped otherwise. At yeah, least it's not uh, Persona 4. Well, <laughs> I, I, I already see people going like, Are you going to do Persona 5? Guys, <laughs> I don't even know what the game is yet. <laughs> Well, it's I know it's literally not even out in this country yet. Yeah. Just... You, well, you know Persona 5 is going to haunt him until he does it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you guys do it. So, just be prepared for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe Persona 5 for the Switch. <laughs> um, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not making Persona 5 for the Switch. They're, they're making Shin Megami Tensei, Tensei for the Switch. Like, That'll be interesting. Uh, let's see. Other than that, not much. Just keeping up my gaming stuff. Still going through Dragon Quest Eight because I'm going to wring that one out as far as I can. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't care that people beat it in five hours on its release date. 
I'm going to take my damn time. Well, that's kind of what it's actually meant for. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Speed runs uh, Breath of the Wild when he fucking opens up the box. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, like, the you can speed run in, like, less than two hours, you know, already. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's not a... It's not as bad as, say, um... Fallout? Where you could beat it in, like, legit 15 minutes if you knew what to do. Yeah, Fallout 4, or Fallout 3, you could beat it in 20 if you know what direction to walk in. Yeah, no, it's like... But that's kind of not the point of uh, Breath of the Wild. Open world RPGs. It's one of the points. Like, you, you can't... Once you get off the plateau, you can take on the final boss... But Hell, you know, I've just been messing around on the plateau for like same here. Or in-game hours, I'm actually running out of swords yeah. and axes to cut down trees with. <laughs> it, that's kind of my point. It, it, it's an open-world exploration game. You know, yeah. so you go and explore, and you you cook, and you know, it like it, it, it's. It's it like could take you hundreds a, of hours instead of 15 minutes. Yeah, it, you know, it's like playing, well, a lot of other games these days, if I'm being honest. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, right, open, Dawn looks interesting. Yeah, like, open, like, open world exploration games are pretty hot right now. now so, to, for Nintendo to make waves in that genre is actually pretty significant. Yeah. Um, but Let's anyway, see. other than that, that's kind of it for me. So, who's yeah. next, Eddie? Um, not a whole lot's been going on my front. Just been, um, there's some games I want to get, but that first requires money. Like I want to get Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Breath of the Wild, and pay off my pre-order for Stormblood, Final Fantasy fourteen. So, oh yeah, I still gotta do that. Um, outside of that, I've been playing games for the show, and there is, um, something I might be able to do, test out, um, capturing PS4 stuff for the show, if we ever need that, so, that's gonna oh, be yeah, interesting. I saw, yes, I saw somebody, uh, testing out some PlayStation 4 recording the other day. Yeah. Like, anyway. I, I mean, worst case, I can always save up my pennies and just get a capture unit. Hmm. Like like does does the PS4 support like um you know like video capture just um you know like by virtue of the console itself or do you need to run through a capture device? Um, to do I it for I the might... show, I'd need to run it through a capture device. But if I wanted to just like stream to Twitch, I could do that on its own. But I wouldn't get the talk show audio for this. So if like me do something for the show itself. I see. I see. Alright. Um. Anything else? Um. Nope. Alright, um... Gollets? Well... Uh, excuse me, I need to cough up a lung for a second. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Gollets is dying. Yeah, yeah it's like... Sorry, you called on me right as... I got a throat tickle. <laughs> anyway, last Friday I started getting pretty sick, and I was... Anybody who heard our reviews for this Sunday knows my voice was not in a good place then. But um, my voice, thankfully, is better, and I'm not my like it doesn't burn to breathe anymore, so that's good. So what you're saying um, is you had the plague? 
Yeah, honestly, I have had like less than some of the people. Like my dad has it; it has lasted a lot longer. Uh, my supervisor at work got it before I did, and is like still out. <laughs> oh jeez. Mm. Um, he has a new kid, so that's probably why I think that weakens your immune system. But anyway, um, so I was actually off work for two days and. Uh, took advantage of some of that to actually play Breath of the Wild, which I can't believe because I don't have a Switch. And I'm probably going to get it again when I get a Switch because it's really fun. Um, as I said during Ogre's News, I'm still on the plateau. Uh, I just got to Oedame Shrine before uh, the, the uh, what third shrine before the uh, show started. Um, I have not played the games for this week yet. But I'm going to get on that. I actually did pick up the second one on we, that we have, uh, Forma 8, or however you say it. Uh, formulate. Formulate. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a pun title. You know, <laughs> Forma.8, Formulate. Yeah, anyway, uh, I'm going to try that on, on the Wii U, at least, since I... It was part of the uh, Nindies at Home collection way back when. So I got it at a discount for that, so I'm trying that out. Um, other than that, I don't have a whole ton going on aside from I hope I feel better soon because it's not fun having your brain running at about 90% at best. Uh, I guess that's it from you. All right. Huh. My go? Um, mm -hmm. right. So let's see. Yeah, not playing Breath of the Wild because I don't have either a Wii U or a Switch. As I mentioned um, last week, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I've been saving up or waiting for the opportunity to uh, get a new laptop, which I did. So that's what I bought. Now, um, mainly for the show, but uh, you know, other reasons. My my other laptop um, was about five and a half years old, so it's starting to get long in the tooth. Yeah. I've had yeah. mine since high school, and we just got a letter about our five-year anniversary or, so, or five-year, uh, oh wait, no, it's actually been seven years since I've been out of high school, what the hell? So yeah, yeah. I need to yeah. replace that someday, it's probably never happened though. Yeah, well, 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 this laptop should last me another, it should last me a good five years, um, but, you know, it's, I read out the specs la uh, last week, it's got, you know, it's got 8 gig of RAM, and, um, uh, like, I'm a bit concerned about the clock speed, but that's about it. Like, it should have no problem running games we get for the show, is my point. Like, uh, you know, it's like, granted, I haven't really had an opportunity to, uh, to really test that out, because the games, um, of the week haven't exactly been the most, um, graphically challenging, like, okay, Formulate looks really good, but, you know, it's a 2D um, Metroidvania game. If you still have Dark Dreams Don't Die, you could try that one out, because I think that's the most system-intensive game we've ever had. Uh, there are others, like, but, uh, you know, and, uh, Trick Style, well, Trick Style is a game, uh, is a, uh, game from 1999, so... Dreamcast Although its graphical options are actually pretty interesting, because it's it, it looks like it can go up to 4K. 
I'm not sure why, because, you know, no matter what the resolution, it's not getting escaping uh, the fact that it looks like a game from 1999. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's there. Like, still haven't figured out how to um, get controller support. And if I can't do it, then I'm not playing any more of that game. It's not a game for a keyboard. Holy (laughs) shit, no. I, I assume plugging and unplugging the your controller didn't work. Uh, not uh, not as such, no. I uh, kind of got it to work for my controller, but it only works for the menu. Yeah, that, 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 yeah that, that sounds really bad, actually. Yeah, it's like, like I said, there's a major trick I can't do with the keyboard. So, mm. like I said, it, it's. It's one of those situations where technically it's playable, but it's like driving with your feet. Yeah, you could do it, but I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> also, you might get arrested in some states. Uh, speaking of which... Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised you're the one who made that joke, Adam. Yeah, it's like, well, that was kind of more of a segue, you know, uh, Yeah, kind of dealing with the car accident business. Um, well, you don't want to crash on a segue either. Ugh. Oakley never change. Yeah. Like, I didn't miss that. Remind me to throw a bridle at a snake near you next time. Son of a bitch! Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm dealing with with the um, car accident business. Now, it's going about as smoothly as as it can go. And that's all I'll say on the matter here. I mean, nothing bad, just, you know... it's like it's actually going a lot smoother than I thought, mainly because, um, yeah, it was. It turns out the accident was uh, even better for the other guy. You know, his car wasn't totaled. The, the, they're going to repair it, so mm-hmm. you know, so there, there's not a so that sh- you know that means it's probably going going to be under the cap. So, you know, not a word. So that, that's a one less. I'm sure, you know, finger, fingers crossed that you have uh, the minimum of insurance-related headaches to, you know, yes. cope with. Yeah, I, I'm like, well, if he's get, well, if he's getting the car repaired, that, you know, it's not going to be over ten thousand dollars. You know, that's the, you know, that's the threshold. So, yeah. you know, if the car gets, if they come back and say it's totaled, that's another story. But I don't think so. Also, you know. It's been about a week and a half since the accident, um, and it doesn't look like any uh, any new medical issues have arisen. Uh, so, like I said, it, it looks like it's going to be about as smooth as it can be. You know, things can change, um, but like I said, it, you know, it's the insurance part looks like it's going to be settled. Um, a lot sooner than I thought it would be. Now, which means the next um, thing up is dealing with the citation. Like, um, <laughs> let's see. Apart from that, uh, well, my, my week has been uh, mostly getting up my laptop. Uh, you know, it's like uh, you forget how much of a pain it is to uh, deal with a new uh, electronic device and get it get it to where. Uh, where you're comfortable with it. Indeed. 
know, it's yeah. like, like you know, getting getting all the programs, like getting all the passwords. That one was that one was especially pesky because, like, oh right, right, I I need a pass, I need to remember my password for this site. You know that 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 you may not have uh, remembered, and you know you have to change. Ugh. But the uh, but the big one was downloading the Steam games again. That took about two, three days. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was ter- like a, terabytes, terabytes of, of data. Uh, not quite that, not quite that much, but it was about two, two hundred and twenty-five gigs. Wow. Well, that's that's still that's still considerable. Jeez. Yes. I'm like, I have an expanded hard drive now, so. I was intent on filling it. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, some of those games were quite large. Oh yes, they yes they were. Uh, right, and I think that's about it for the news. Like, like uh, having an extra person certainly um uh, has the news roll on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so merrily we shall. Uh, get to the interview portion of the broadcast and this week you've been hearing them during our news segment but um it is our great pleasure to welcome uh trevor michelisi of gigatross games hello yes hello uh how are you doing uh tonight i'm doing i'm doing just fine um you know just uh sort of leisurely working on a few odds and ends today uh so it's been it's been a nice day uh how is uh how is everyone else doing tonight i think pretty good um, i guess Mm-hmm. Good. Pretty pretty good in between fits of coughing. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, just have your mute button handy. <laughs> I have been. That's good. All right. Um. So, starting out with our usual question, um, how did you get interested in video games uh, initially? Well, um, you know, ever, ever since uh, you know, ever since I was like like a like a wee lad, you know, let's say sort of kindergarten age you know i gained like an interest in video games basically straight away and i you know even from then i just wanted to wanted to wanted to make them i mean i had no idea then and i wouldn't have an idea for like you know many many years you know what was actually involved in in doing it all but um basically it's just been sort of a dream since uh, since childhood you know to to make games so that's that's kind of that's kind of where it all started i guess you know just playing you know uh like Nintendo, like Atari 2600, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just started early. Um, right, and uh, shifting things a bit further, um, how did it ignite, uh, how did you get uh, interested uh, professionally? Well, um, I uh, I had enrolled in um, in like a, a, a business program at like a like a local college just because you know I I originally I you know I, I had aspired to you know open up like a like a like a retro gaming you know shop you know like a like a secondhand kind of a thing, um, but you know sort of as I as I kind of made my way through you know that degree, and um, you know it took like a little bit of time off after after sort of finishing it, um, it just kind of. So it, it just it, it made more sense at that point to just actually you know focus on the thing that you know I wanted to do like and then that was that was to make games you know not not just to try to like make an honest living you know selling them but to actually try to make an honest living you know making them um, 
so it just it was sort of a sort of an, an evolution of just a desire to you know like own and run a business and then i just kind of you know connected the dots finally and was like well you know I, like that business that could support me could be the business of making games you know not just not just peddling them you know right um and how did that lead to you um, founding Gigatross? Well, um, it uh, it just so happened that um, you know uh, uh, some childhood friends of mine, you know, people that you know we'd all been hanging out and like gaming together since you know since we were were just kids. Um, well, we were all kind of at the same point in that we were like, we were either finished our, you know, our uh, like post-secondary education or just about and kind of identified that we all shared a similar passion to actually, you know, make a game. Um, so we had originally come together in 2010 um, on our, our first, you know, our first project, Grand Class Melee, which, um, you know, we ended up releasing for, you know, for the Xbox 360, you know, via, you know, Xbox Live Indie Games. Um, so Gigatross Games came to be because uh, the the three of us, my my two partners, Jacob Sincant and his younger brother, Tyler Sincant, um, you know, we banded together and committed ourselves to, to actually making something. So, like, we, we ultimately uh, came together on the game before we ultimately decided that we would, you know, make a studio around it. So the, the the game the game itself kind of like predated our uh, you know our our organization I suppose. Ah, the Xbox Live Indie Games <laughs> channel. That there's something I haven't heard of in quite a long time. Indeed, yeah, well, it's it's still it's still around. I mean, like you, you can't actually release games on it anymore, but uh, but you can still buy them. You know, people are still people are still you know playing games on their you know on their Xbox 360s, um, and you can still. Yeah, I mean, like there are thousands and thousands of uh, you know of titles available. You know, obviously of varying degrees of quality, um, but you know, d despite how uh, how easy it is to you know to disparage the the average Xbox Live indie game, there's 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 like some really interesting stuff there, and uh, you know, it's really cool how like a, a number of like the higher profile games have you know have managed to sort of successfully make the jump from Xbox Live indie games to you know to to PC. It's like you know, it, like it, it might be sort of easily dismissed as just sort of like a, like a cesspool of of like of like the worst that indie gaming has to offer. But there's like there are there are a number of gems in there, you know. I know it's just you had to look really hard to find them. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and like it, it wasn't made any any easier by the fact that like, um, you know, just like the, by by virtue of the way that the the whole the whole service was set up. You know, there was just this this infinite preference being given to like only a handful of games that were you know that were just that were already successful. You know, like it was almost impossible to sort of break out. You know, it was just the same you know, the same twenty games that were filling up. You know, like every you know every relevant list. You know, most people that buy games on Xbox Live Indie Games were buying them based on like the you know like the like the the global like rating. You know, or um, you know, it just it, it's just. I also remember, um, you know, it was based off of a voting system, and um, you know the the voting system was quite rigged. Stop me if any of this sounds familiar. 
Uh, you mean like the voting system in order to actually get a game released, or do you mean the voting system uh, like for actual players to you know give like a star rating? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> you know, it, it's like there was there, there was a community ranking system um, yeah. that I believe affected placement and it did. people being who they are. Uh, I'm like, th there were quite a number of scams involving uh, you know. Um, bribing people to vote, to spam vote for um, certain games. Uh, I, I forget the games because it's been so long since I've thought about any of this. But I'm like, it, it really was kind of the precursor to Steam Greenlight. Yeah. I think about it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like, there, there, there certainly, you know, was like a, a fair bit of, you know, sort of, well, maybe. Vote manipulation is kind of a strong word, but you know, but yeah, you know, the it, it, easy, easy to sort of spam vote. You know, get like a, get like a motivated group of like a few hundred people, and you know, they could easily inflate the score of a game and thus, you know, propel it to a higher, like a higher position of visibility. Um, you know, and like Steam, Steam, but but unlike Steam Greenlight, as far as like, um, you know, what actually sort of made the decision as to how games could actually be launched on the platform it was it was actually like like a, a community voting system but it was only like like uh, the developer like community you know you, you needed to have like a game receive i forget the actual number but it was like an arbitrary number of sort of like yes votes from other developers that were you know that were involved in the xbox live indie game program and it was up to the up to the developer community to sort of like vet the game and decide if it like you know if it met sort of the controller support requirements you know if like it didn't crash on launch you know so and, and like and but because of that, you know, developers would be wanting to help each other out. So of course, you know, the majority of of Xbox Live Indie Games developers would just, you know, indiscriminately just like give, you know, give a thumbs up to any game, regardless of how bad it was, or, or how broken it was, because they would, you know, be hoping that that yes vote that they gave would be a yes vote in return. So like very e very easy to kind of have that system be corrupted, when you know everyone's just trying to like scratch each other's back right right uh, you know tit for tat yeah you know whereas like you know whereas steam Greenlight, i mean you know it, which is of course is going to be discontinued you know at, at some point in the spring you know it's like it's it sort of has the has like the, the the guise of being like moderated by the community but the fact that it's purely just based on like the number of yes votes that a game can accumulate you know you've got all sorts of people trying to like find exploits for that and like, yeah, yeah. you know, like neither neither one is a perfect system. I'm honestly not sure like which which one works better. You know, when you've got developers just trying to help each other, or when you've got just like people that are you know like willing to well, willing to like vote for a game they don't even like. Uh -huh. But that's that's maybe a little a uh, little off topic. But uh, but I don't know. <laughs> it's much live in games. It's fun to think about. Greenlight situation a couple weeks back. You know, the frustrating aspects about Greenlight was it was born out of a sense of laziness, really. It was born out of uh, Valve just really didn't want to uh, deal with the issue, so they outsourced it to the community. You know, as they thought it was a catch-all for all of the, uh, for everything. You know? Well, yeah. Well, you know, like, like Valve's, you know, perspective on it is that, like, um, they simply, 
weren't able to cope with like the scale of you know of games that were you know that were competing for release you know like if, if they were trying to like hand curate and like you know hand pick sort of what got released you know they they just you know they, they didn't feel that they could do an, an adequate job of that so you know it need, they needed to delegate it you know in order to I, make sure that the right decisions were being made yeah i will disagree with that they didn't want to uh do that without breaking certain um fundamental ethos um rules um because valve is a small company and they wish to remain a small company because mm. you can curate this stuff it's just you need a lot of people to do it yes yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, look at iOS and and like the Google Store. Like, yeah. From what I understand, like Apple has um, a lot of people vetting games because you know they get they they get so many games on a hourly basis. Like, <laughs> just so much content that um, they just need a lot of people to sift through that. And even then, um, they're not going to catch everything. Yeah, but but you know, but it is impressive that like that like you know a human employee is like you know uh, taking a look at like at every game submitted you know to the App Store and you know and like the Google Play Store, and like you know they're they're giving their you know their personal endorsement. It's like I I do have to wonder like how how big their actual like review team is. It's gotta be it's gotta be massive. Um, possibly. Anyway, um, shifting back on topic. Uh, uh, the Grand Class Melee series. Mm -hmm. right. So, what are these games exactly? Well, um, Grand Class Melee 1 and 2, uh, you know, they could be best be described as, um, you know, like, uh, uh, like arena fighting games with, like, a, a simplified RPG job system. So, you know, like, a, a, imagine, you know, like a, like a Zelda-style deathmatch, you know, we're talking like a like an overhead perspective, 2D environment, you know, um, and you're ultimately just bashing each other with, you know, with swords, staffs, and spears. But what makes it, you know, sort of fun and interesting for like a, like a you know, like a, like a multiplayer game is that the game is presented as a, like an eight-round tournament. And with every round, uh, each player is, is, you know, advancing to uh, like a new place in the class tree and every one of those classes in the class tree has a unique ability associated with them so every round you know you're you're effectively leveling up your skills and you're gaining new abilities uh to sort of choose from um because like and also every round you are picking uh like a secondary ability to join the ability of the class that you've that you've selected so at any given point you've got you've got two abilities and they might have some kind of a synergy or they might not you know it's uh it's it's sort of up to the player to sort of decide, you know, what are the what are the the effective combinations, you know, what are the OP strats, um, so you know, from start to finish, you end up uh, like advancing yourself to kind of like a like a like a hugely powered up state from from where you started, and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the concept of the game, you know, you've got this sort of like simple, easy to understand, you know, Zelda style uh, combat, but then it's uh, fleshed out with this. Um, you know, just big kind of class tree system. You know, so you and you've got these this customizable loadout. You know, every round. So that that that's kind of the that's kind of the the gist of it, I guess. 
And like in both games, you know, GCM2 is is very much an evolution of the first. Um, you know, just been basically just been adding adding more to it. And like you know, the it, the, the the real challenge is just sort of deciding, you know, what ideas you know go in, and you know, what ideas get saved for maybe you know the next installment. Right. And so, um, how are the classes aligned, and um, what are their strengths and weaknesses in relation to one another? Well, ultimately, there are um, there are three branches of the of the default tree. Now, and, uh, um, one thing that would be worth pointing out is that um, my uh, my partner Tyler and I, like last year, we uh, we built Steam Workshop support into the game in order to uh, make it possible for um, for players to basically make their own custom class trees. You know, whether that's a, like reorganizing what's there or making completely new classes. But as far as the default tree. Um, Fundamentally, you've, you've got like uh, you've got like warriors, uh, you know, which are um, all of their all of their abilities tend to be uh, based around improving their like their efficiency and proficiency in, in like the melee combat. Then you've got the thieves who tend to be a little more um, kind of like fast and kind of like ranged, you know, kind of like mid range abilities. You know, you've got like archers and you know, sort of like lancers and jumps and stuff. And then and then you've got just the straight up, you know, magic users like the mages. Uh, you know, which have all sorts of, um, you know, arcane-style abilities, whether they're, you know, like fire projectiles or, you know, or um, just area of effect spells. You know, so so basically, you know, you've got like the like the tanks, you know, and then you've got like the like the rogues, and then you've got the like the magic users. All right. Um. Um. Right. So. Uh, we have two pieces of media here. I think um, uh, Petty Fan is currently uh, showing the raw gameplay in the um, uh, window. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, have you shown the trailer yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but um, we kind of um, we record on Twitch, but we we also put out a podcast version, audio only. Um, so some of our listeners may not be able to see. Um, what's going on with uh, the gameplay footage. Um, anyway, so how do you balance all of the, the classes? Well, um, the, uh, the balance of all the classes um, that has all come from our, uh, well, from my, my partner, Jake, who's, uh, you know, like the, the, the game is fundamentally, um, you know, his, like his vision. Um, and he's basically approached this with sort of the belief that, you know, the, the, the warriors should be good at one thing, you know, the thieves should be good at another, and, like, the mages should be good at their own. So it, it's kind of a kind of a rock, paper, scissors breakdown. Um, and that, that ultimately guides, you know, any sort of balanced decision that's made. Um, so, you know, the, the idea being that sort of, like, one, one class should ultimately be able to defeat the other pretty much, you know, in any kind of uh, any kind of like one-on-one -on -one situation, but since this, since it's ultimately going to be like a like a like a three-way system, you know, it it just it has a has a way of balancing itself. <laughs> a way of balancing itself. Well, in, in that you know you can never really have like a situation that's imbalanced for longer than one round, you know, because you know you, you because of the way that the game is set up. You can only ever have a skill combination like once per game. 
you know, you've got your primary ability based on the class that you're playing as, and then you can have a free selection of any ability you've had, you know, in, in a previous round. But since players are forced to change up their abilities every time, um, it has a way of, of just basically combating players just, you know, just spanning the same things every single match. Sort of like, you know, forcing players to reevaluate their strategies every single, uh, every single round of the eight-round game. I see. So it's not, it's not like you're locked into one set of abilities if you find, like, you don't like it. You can take a different set of abilities. Exactly. I mean, assuming that at least, you know, like the class tree is going to, like, you know, let you, uh, let you take that other branch, you know. So, like, you, you could basically, like, once you've played a class once, you know, you'll be able to bring that class's ability with you every subsequent round as your secondary ability, but you're, you know, you're always going to be changing up your primary ability. So, you know, there's... It's just it's yeah you aren't you aren't you're never you're never locked in. There's always always a now, chance. Now is this is this class tree that I'm looking at in on the Steam page accurate? Where there are like four things to start, and then each one of those has two choices, pretty much. Yep, that is uh, that is that is that is the exact default tree. So you have four starting classes, and then at any uh, any any future round, you've got two choices ahead of you. And uh, how many classes in total are there in the game? Uh, there are 66. Hmm. 66 classes. And I forgot off the top of my head how many actual viable combinations there are, but it's something like, um, I think it's like 600 or thereabouts. 600 possible combinations, but don't quote me on that. I've, I've got the number written down somewhere, but I, I just I haven't, I haven't actually thought about that for a while. Duly noted. And um, how do the paths like, affect, like, um, say, the uh, squire? What's the difference uh, uh, between a pikeman and a swordsman, except like the the choice in weapons? Well, the the difference there is going to be the um, like the primary ability that that class um, you know grants the player. So, um, uh, like those two classes, I'm pretty sure they have the exact same actual like stats. You know, like same health, same speed. Um, so like the the distinguishing factor is going to be like the ability that they uh you know that they bring the player in the the form of their primary ability. Let me actually just take a look at the class tree to sort of refresh my memory as to what two abilities those classes have. So like, are you thinking of uh, swordsman? Oh right, right. So like um, steadfast versus readout. So so those okay. So so steadfast is an ability that um that cancels out uh like the the knockback that's present. For every other class, when uh, you know when you parry um, like a, a sword strike, so um, in that case, you know it, it makes you like a really intimidating like adversary in like melee combat because you know every time that you parry an ability, you know your your opponent is going to be knocked back, but you aren't, so it's very possible to sort of close in. Whereas the swordsman ability um, that grants you a uh, like a temporary damage immunity every time that you parry. So for those two abilities, for instance, you know, there is kind of an interesting interplay. You know, if you had a pikeman versus a swordsman, you know, every time those two players parry a sword slash with each other, it's going to be, you know, triggering a, a different effect. So, um, you know, kind of like two, uh, two sides of, of the same coin, maybe. It does look like until pretty late on in the game, with a few exceptions, it's pretty difficult to get outside of your... Uh 
column of two jobs. Most most of the thing promotions from second stage on, you have basically your choice of either the one that's straight up or the one that's one over from that. That's right. Yeah, you know, you you are, um, you know, you basically are are choosing something of a specialty in your second round. Um, you know, with a with with a handful of exceptions. But since you're always, you know, afforded, um, you know, a, a choice between those two classes, you know, there are, you know, uh, just a, a number of a number of possibilities. Right. And so, what games served as the to uh, this series? Well, um, you know, uh, my my partners and I, you know, we we played just a heck of a lot of multiplayer games all together, you know, just like, you know, uh, stuff like, you know, Bomberman, uh, you know, say Secret of Mana, um, you know, even, even stuff like, you know, like say Micro Machines, you know, anything that involved, you know, say three or four players, you know, all competing for, you know, for some kind of a, some kind of a common goal or, you know, or just any kind of like shared, you know, shared screen kind of multiplayer. Um, I would say that probably, you know, Secret of Mana, as as far as, you know, giving like a like a really good example of how like an overhead perspective 2D game can work with like uh, like a like a kind of like a multiplayer setup that definitely gave some amount of, of inspiration. But it would have to be, you know, sort of the, like the, the multiplayer shenanigans of something more like, you know, uh, say Super Bomberman that, you know, really had like a like an influence as to how, you know, we wanted this game to actually work, you know, where you've got just like a like a round by round kind of progression, but um, you know, like like really the, the the thing that was like the like the the, the true seed of inspiration for you know for the, the grand class melee concept is that like um, like we all we all used to just like mess around in like uh, like the backyard, just basically you know like larping you know we, we had we had these like these these kind of like ridiculous sort of overblown. Um, you know, fantasy role-playing games that we would basically enact with, you know, with like pool noodles as swords, you know, just like smacking each other, you know, and and every every you know sort of matchup, you know, we would be like imagining that we were like leveling up to like a new like a new job, you know, gaining like a new ability. So like that particular, uh, you know, sort of yeah. Well, now I have double Excalibur. So even though you blocked <laughs> my Excalibur last time, now I have two of them. Exactly, you know, like that that sort of uh, that sort of like childhood, you know, like uh-huh. fancy. That that definitely was sort of how this, you know, how this game started. Right. So, uh, I'm noticing here there's the emphasis on local multiplayer. Yes. Uh, so there is no online multiplayer at all in the game. Correct. Um you know, that 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 is something of like a of a complicated point. Um like, uh-huh. You know, like we obviously, you know, we we've like seen the potential in Grand Class Melee to be, you know, like a, a like a, an online multiplayer game. And when we when we released the game in early access, that was like one of the one of the big things that we were pursuing was, you know, trying to like develop our own you know our own net code in order to, you know, make like an online multiplayer experience you know feasible and satisfactory. But like uh, the the it's it's like it's a very it's a very complicated and um, just troublesome thing to try to like to get going. In in, in this case, you know, we're a, we're a small team, so you know, as far as Grand Class Melee is concerned, Grand Class Melee one and two, there's uh, there's my partner Tyler, who's our our lead programmer, 
there's my partner Jake, you know, who's contributed, you know, design and, and like sound effects. And then, you know, I've been doing all of the, you know, all the art assets. And I mean, and we, we all ultimately, you know, collaborate on, um, you know, sort of like guiding sort of design and, and like gameplay and just general sort of user experience and such. But, um, you know, trying to like code a game to work like reliably online is just, it's, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a big freaking job, especially for a, like a, a game engine that didn't really take that into consideration as we were making it. Um, so like, um, it's like, as it is, like the, the game is, a, is, um, is a, an XNA game studio game. So, you know, it, it's all, it's all coded in C sharp, but it, it means that, you know, there isn't quite the same, like, the same kind of opportunity for, um, you know, for offloading a lot of the, a lot of the responsibility, like you would have, um, say with like a unity game, you know, where a, a lot of the uncertainties involved in like, um, network multiplayer can be, it can be sort of delegated to, to other sort of bits and pieces, you know, you've got to do it all yourself. And it just, we unfortunately have never been able to like get the kind of performance like the, that we would need to be able to confidently release like an online multiplayer, um, you know, just like aspect of the game. So we, we basically had to make the hard decision to uh, to shelve that just for the sake of being able to make progress on you know the other uh, other parts of the game that needed attention. It so does like, seem like this is the kind of game that is not very forgiving of input lag either. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that, that, would, that would definitely be like like quite crippling. You know, like it, like it's sort of the you need you need like you know pinpoint precision as far as reaction time, and it probably would just it would be a ruined experience you know but but then again you know people are, are capable of tolerating a lot but at the same time you know nobody likes having a having like a laggy like a like a laggy game no we we've definitely experienced that um in some of our multiplayer sessions uh, yeah and, uh, you know, that does make sense. Although on the um, flip side of the coin, um, local co-op on a, uh, on a PC devices, um, has that been a, a hard sell, you know, given the audience? Well, I mean, there, there, there is a, a certain, um, you know, vocal subset of, uh, you know, of like the gaming community that, that really just outright criticize uh, local multiplayer-focused PC games. But, I mean... Like in in the modern day, you know, it's like it's it's honestly not that big of a deal to to just hook up, you know, say like four random USB controllers, you know, whether whether you've got like a, like a USB hub or you've just got like available ports on like a laptop or something. I mean, like it's it's not such a big deal as as it once was, you know, where maybe you only had like you know one serial port on like your PC tower, <laughs> um, like. I'd say that it, it, it certainly, you know, limits the possible, like, reach of a, of a game, you know, to have, like, a local multiplayer focus on PC, but I don't think it's a deal-breaker. You know, you've got, you've got too many games that, you know, that say otherwise. You know, stuff like, you know, like, Towerfall and Samurai Gun and, um, you know, all these other sort of, like, Twitch, you know, 2D games that have managed to find an audience, despite the fact that, um, you know, their, their focus is solely on the local multiplayer experience. And in, in the case of Grand Class Melee 2, I mean, you know, the, the, the game has, well, I mean, it's, it's like, people people buy it and they enjoy it. So, you know, there you go. Indeed. Um, 
how long has the game been in early access and um, how long do you think it will be in early access still? Well, um, we launched the game in early access uh, February 2015, so it's um, you know it's been a little over over two years now, and it's it's been it's been a like I, I don't think uh, you know any of us really anticipated that the game would be in early access for this long. It's just that um, you know there have been like it's it's been it's been a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a, a tumultuous development. Um, you know, I'll, I'll spare the details, but um, you know. We've definitely had some uh, had some highs and lows, but like, more important, I'd say, than the actual amount of time that the game is spent in early access is just that you know by by spending a little bit of time, you know, on you know on polish and like filling out features, the game is like considerably better now than it was you know when it when it launched in early access. So however long it takes for us to actually be you know happy enough with it to consider it complete, you know, it will have been it will have been a worthy uh, a worthy investment of our time. Like as it is right now, um, uh, my my partner Ty and I were were working on um, like this long-awaited uh, like sort of survival mode, you know, like monster spawns, you know, something something kind of like you know like uh, like a, a mode inspired by you know by Gauntlet, you know, where you've got monster spawners and you're trying to like eliminate them all. Um, and you know, once once we've gotten this mode like wrapped up and super fun, you know, and and once we've gotten like a like a like a fleshed out kind of like training mode together, you know, and a number of other little things, you know, we're we're hoping to be able to, you know, feel good enough about the game to say that it's that it's complete. So I would say, you know, within like the next within the next few months, you know, the game could conceivably, you know, make the jump from early access to full release. Hmm. And um about the price, will it remain the same price um when it gets out of early access or will it increase um, when it gets to uh, 1.0. Uh, well, we are uh, planning on keeping the keeping like the price the same. So, uh, you know, depending on your regional equivalent, you know, it's like it's like a effectively a, you know, a ten dollar game, and that 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 price is going to stay uh, consistent through you know through the access to full release. But what what will change is that um, we're going to be uh, Probably removing the four pack from the Steam store, um, so that that's 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 one one change is that that will just no longer be available. Hmm. Like, uh, right. So uh, switching quickly over to uh, Giga Chess here, mm -hmm. we are starting to get low on time. Um, so uh, having watched the trailer, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly what's going on here because it doesn't look like it, it, it's um, a typical game of chess. No. <laughs> um, so it, uh, it, it plays more like a, like, like a score attack kind of puzzle game, um, you know, where you basically have, uh, you know, waves of pawns being spawned at the top of the board. And you know every turn, you know they're they're advancing sort of one step further down, and you know it's it's your job as you know as commander of a of a party of knights, rooks, and bishops to you know to fend off the like the, the horde of pawns before they reach the bottom of the board. And every time a pawn crosses the bottom of the board, you lose a life. Now that, that that's at least describing you know the uh, the endless mode. There's also like a like a, a a puzzle mode, and I've actually almost finished off like a like a, a different. A different puzzle mode that I'm going to be releasing in the next uh, next big update. Um, 
so you know it's 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 uh it's like like a remix let's say of you know of some classic chess concepts but then transformed into something that plays you know a lot more like a power defense game so you know the, the pawns are your creeps and uh you know you've gotta you gotta just you gotta get them all Right. Does it ever, does it ever spawn anything besides pawns, or is that too tricky with the way that I assume everything moves like actual chess pieces? Uh, yeah. Well, there there are um, there are a couple of variations. So there are standard you know pawns that you know that move down you know one square at a time and they attack on like a diagonal you know one square. But then there's also like a powered up version of the pawn known as a viper pawn, and they um, they advance two squares every turn and they have an attack pattern that's you know stretched out kind of like a like a knight so you know two down one over so between the regular pawns and viper pawns they end up kind of reinforcing themselves in really kind of like devilish ways and then on top of that there's also the possibility that uh, a pawn might be cursed indicated by like a like a swirling purple wisp and any uh, any of your your hero pieces you know the knights rooks and bishops that captures the cursed pawn gets transformed into a into a knight for a turn, thus downgrading it to you know single step, eight way movement. So you've you've effectively got two different enemy types, and then um, you know sort of that additional twist in the way of the of the the curse. And and uh, that 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 focus is you know is deliberate just in order to make it so that you know the the enemies are really kind of like a like a system like a systematic threat. You know, they, they don't really have to do any kind of like logical calculation. It's just they're all able to advance, you know, as a as a horde. Interesting. So no uh, king or queen pieces. Uh, well, you can you can be transformed into a into a king if your if your piece gets cursed, and then there's also um, like a, an available power up because every uh, depending on how effectively the the player is actually going about their turn, you're earning um, you know SP, which can be redeemed for power ups. You know, so you can either buy, uh, you know, a blockade, which acts as just like a wall to block, you know, pawns from advancing. You can buy like a, a, a trap mine, which is capable of destroying, you know, three pieces in front of it. Or you can purchase a queen up, which temporarily converts one of your hero pieces into a queen for uh, for four turns. So, you know, the, the queen is available, but it's 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 presented as um, you know, an exclusive uh, power up. Which um, makes sense. It would be too good to have all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there, there, there's actually there, there, uh, it came to my attention uh, like right around the time that uh, the Giga Chess came out on Steam that there was a there, there's there's like another game very that has a similar kind of a, kind of a vibe. It's called Board Defenders, and it, like it, it it's like a, like a I think it was originally released for you know for mobile. Um, it, it looks it looks like a totally like a totally cool game. But one thing that is a little bit like weird that I do kind of question is that like. Instead of uh, Giga Chess, you know, where you're kind of like customizing a, a party or whatever, you're just you're given pieces to sort of deal with, and like sometimes you'll be given like a queen, and it's like the the queen is ultimately the best piece. I mean, like it, it kind of makes it you know strategically too easy if you have access to a queen at all times. You know, the queen is just the the, the definition of you know of OP. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, the queen is the strongest. Um chess piece in the game yes though she doesn't actually have defense against viper pawns i think that's that is a that is correct right and is it just like endless mode or are there like 
um, like presets as well. Uh the um the the puzzle attack mode that's there in the game it's a it's a 48 stage uh mode and those those present um like preset formations of uh you know of, of enemy pawns and um you know and your party so basically it's just you're, you're given a like a par value uh to try to like complete the the you know to try to clear the stage by um and that is you know unlike the endless mode, which is based based purely on random generation. Like all of the stages in puzzle attack mode are are all you know like hand uh, handmade. And uh, you've mentioned that a new mode is coming out soon. Yes, yes. Um, like have uh, have any have any of you um, heard of uh, like a classic uh, like chess puzzle known as the the Knight's Tour? Does that sound familiar to anyone? I'm familiar with that. Oh, cool, cool. So, um, you know, like um, there, there have been there have been like a you know a bunch of you know a bunch of sort of uh, you know game versions of the Knights Tour. You know, the the idea being that you know you're just trying to uh, you know touch every square of the board, you know, using a knight without ever retracing your steps. Um, but uh, what's uh, what I've been working on is uh, I've, I've I've got all the stages actually all designed all the solutions are worked out. It's just a really basically a question right now of just making like a, a fun level selector, you know, to you know add some you know add some flavor to the whole thing. But um, so riffing on the concept of the night's tour, you know, now you've got sort of like actual levels, you know, that are sort of carved out of the of the standard chessboard, you know, and um, You've got up to up to two knights that you're dealing with at a time, and there are also uh, special squares on the board that will temporarily convert you into a into a rook or a bishop. So you're still trying to touch every square of the uh, you know of the dungeon stage, but you're controlling potentially two knights at once, and those knights can be shape shifted into a into a rook or a bishop to kind of give you access to a like maybe a far off corner of the board that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to reach. So so that's that's the uh that's the the new upcoming mode is this uh this dungeon tour mode, you know, which is definitely taking, you know, a like a like a, a loving inspiration from the Knights Tour. Something that's like totally non combat related. Because that, that that is something that I think, you know, the the game would certainly benefit from. You know, is just like a, a mode that offers no real, you know, no real kind of like tactical pressure. You know, I think some people might get stressed out. All right, well, uh, Giga just certainly looks like an interesting game, and um, if you'd like, we can review it um, uh, in a couple weeks. Well, I mean, if if, if you if you wanted to give it a spin, uh, that that'd be that'd be awesome. I mean, I I'd be, like you know, I'd be happy to happy to send you a send you a key. Like for that matter, I mean, you know. If uh, if any of you were interested in Grand Class Melee 2, um, I'd be more than happy just to just to you know give you a complimentary copy. Uh, uh sure. It's just um, I th um that's something I suppose we could sh we would stream or um Petty Fan would stream. But our um our official policy is we do not review uh, early access games. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's like yeah, we do not review games until they are ready. Yeah, because yeah, we we don't we don't want to have to say well. <laughs> such and such are the problems with when there are things that might be yeah. fixed or but, such yeah. and such were things that I liked when they were unintended and ended up getting quote unquote fixed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, like, that, that, like, oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah. But um, Giga Chess being a release game, sure, we can review. And, you know, um, 
there are four, uh, you know, we usually ask for four copies because there are four of us on review staff. Does Grand Class Melee have much in the way of single player options out of curiosity, or is it pretty much just. Bot matches? Uh, well, the, 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 like the sort of the, the centerpiece of the game is the is like the versus mode. So if you if you're playing it as a single uh, player, you have uh, configurable bots, you know, that um, have a range of difficulties. Um, there is also um, like a, a pair of uh, of leaderboard supported modes where um, they're called like quick battle modes, where it just will sort of launch you into a quick kind of like free for all match or a quick like one v three match. But fundamentally, the single player game is always against bots but that but that's where the um where the upcoming uh, like you know monster like hunting survival mode is going to uh you know flesh out the offering a little bit so that that mode is going to you know definitely be you know sort of more fun for uh you know for single players if they wanted something other than just you know straight combat okay cool i just don't have many people that i would be able to play like local co-op with and i'm sorry if you covered that at all before i uh did have to take a temporary break earlier in the show. <laughs> no worries. I, I mean, I know it, it, it's it's it, it's like it's a totally uh, like a totally valid you know concern. Really, you know, if 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 a person doesn't necessarily have you know like a like a, a group of people that they can routinely game with, then you know it definitely makes like a local multiplayer focused game a hard sell. And uh, and yeah, you know that's something that you know we're we're, we're very aware of. And um, you know it's it's what we hope to. Um, you know, maybe change some people's minds with uh, with the survival mode. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, before we wrap things up, you have another game here um, to talk about, Fantasy Bomb. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what is this game exactly? Well, Fantasy Bomb is a, like a... Like a one to six player uh, party platforming game, so it's it's ultimately kind of like a like a single screen kind of jump and jump battle game. Um, but the the real kind of cool thing about it is that it's got a very sort of strong JRPG flavor to it. I mean, like imagine you know like an old school Final Fantasy world, but you know but tipped on its side and presented like a two D platformer. So the whole now, game now I'm like, just picturing Final Fantasy Tactics sprites doing Qbert. <laughs> Actually, that, that would that would be awesome. I would I would I would totally play a version of Qbert that was just reskinned with uh, Final Fantasy Tactics graphics. Well, now um, we know their next game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but no fantasy bump. So you know, take you know, sort of your classic you know, like Final Fantasy uh, you know job archetypes, but then you know, reimagine them as being you know characters in like a like a you know a, a platforming kind of running jumping game. So it's it's got it's got a variety of um, you know of party style game modes. You've got like a whole host of um, you know of possible like stages and environments to play in, and um, you know the whole thing is just sort of wrapped in this uh, you know this sort of strong you know JRPG envelope. You know, so we, we like uh, we've been working on you know like most recently on like a like a like the, the proper sort of campaign mode. You know, so we've got like a set of it. You know, eight bosses uh, that you know you're going to be fighting against, and you know we've got like a whole sort of like a bunch of like trophies and such to unlock. You know, but but uh, and, and the whole thing is sort of pitched as being this like you know sort of you know annual tournament taking place on this special you know island. So there, there's 
like unlike unlike Grand Class Melee, which has sort of a like an, an undefined premise, you know, Fantasy Bump actually kind of has a, a real world behind it, which has been like a, a definite breath of fresh air as far as, you know, as far as like our actual work on it. You know, we've got something that's really sort of really sort of grounded in, in like in like a universe. And um, has it already been approved for uh, Steam, or is it going through Steam Greenlight right now? Oh, it's uh, it, it was uh, it was fortunately greenlit last year, actually. So like, it's it's basically ready for release as uh, as soon as we are ready to release it. Ah. And how far along is the game? Well, um, you know, if if I uh, <laughs> if I were to pin down some kind of a um, you know, just like like a number, I'd say probably the game is is maybe you know eighty five percent like the way to the finish line. Um, recently, my uh, my partner Ty and I we've um, been focusing our uh, you know our collaboration on uh, Grand Class Melee Two more than anything else, just because we we really want to get the game out of early access before you know we we before we release Fantasy Bump. Um, just uh it's it's sort of it's like it's 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 tough to be kind of like working on you know like a new game when you've still got this other one that you know that needs more attention and and when you've only got so many you know so many hours in the day and so many people that are actually able to you know make a contribution it's just it's like it's it, it comes down to like a harsh decision as to what game gets the attention and you know and what game doesn't so fantasy Bump, like it's it's in the home stretch but before we can really refocus on it we need to get GCM2, you know, out officially. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, all right. Um, well, Trevor, uh, it's been great hearing about your pro products, and um, we certainly look forward to the release of uh, Grand Class Melee 2, um, whenever that should be. And um, we look forward to reviewing Giga Chess as well. And um, thank you for stopping by. Well, you know, thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me onto the, onto the show. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. All right, um, Petty Fan, uh, play us to the next segment. Cuddy, are you all uh, hooked up there with Sonic CD? Give me half a second to switch over to it. All right, while you're doing that, um, I'll intro. Yeah, so We're talking about Sonic CD, if you didn't guess. Yeah, I'm like... Ooh. Yeah, I'm like... I really didn't feel like putting a lot of thought into this week's topic because of the, uh, the big Wonder Boy retrospective. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just talk about another Sonic game. Those are... <laughs> Those are pretty easy for us to talk about. Uh, are, are there is, is is there a certain amount of uh, of Sonic love uh, amongst amongst your crew here? <laughs> uh, I'm the biggest Sonic fan, fan in the group. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm like we've also uh, we talked about Sonic One and Sonic Two recently. Um, it's like now I suppose the logic is you go to Sonic Three next, but um, <laughs> wait a minute, Sonic there was one more we're missing here. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's like there were other Sonic games released. You know, That's granted, weird. I, you know, it's like we talked about like the um, Game Gear versions of Sonic One and Sonic Two, um, yeah, 
in their, uh, you know, in those particular episodes. And there's not really a lot of meat on any individual, say, Game Gear game to talk about it standalone. But mm. Sonic CD is different. Mm -hmm. yeah, is also, for those of you who are about to ask, and no, I do not have the audio on because I don't feel like getting a copyright strike from Sega. <laughs> I'm like, is that a concern on Twitch? Um, when we export to YouTube, it will be. Tr uh, yeah, I know YouTube uh, might be a concern, but yeah. I'm like, uh... Twitch, probably not, especially since we're talking over it, but it's yeah. better to be safe than sorry, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like, fair enough. But, yes. So, yes. First of all, Sonic CD, um... Um... Didn't come before Sonic 3, um... But it was, um in development before, like, it was kind of in development uh, at the same time as Sonic 2, mm -hmm. but um, got released in 1993. Uh, it released alongside Sonic 3, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I yeah, don't remember, but I think they were not too far apart. Yeah, it, it's... Sorry like, to I just I have to actually visit the, uh, the bathrooms for one second. I'll be back in a, in a jiff. Mm -hmm. All right. Damn it. It's like... Uh, it's been, what, 25 years since this game got released? Uh, not quite that long, but it's been a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, 1993, it's 24 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was only one when this came out. <laughs> like, you're such a baby. <laughs> um, you know, point is, this is like the technical actual Sonic the Hedgehog 3 in terms of, you know, mainline releases. Nobody fucking counts the Game Gear games. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like... But, um, so like, Sonic the Hedgehog CD kind of occupies an odd place on the Sonic the Hedgehog spectrum, because it's not a spin-off, like, say, Sonic Spinball is. Mm -hmm. Um, it's... A mainline game, but it's not, you know, the next mainline game. It's kind of a side game, but kind of not. And yeah. The... I think there was some debate about how canon it was until, I mean, well, now it definitely is, but... Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it, it, I, its canonicity was never in question, especially since um, this is the game that introduced Amy Rose. And uh, Metal yeah. Sonic. Uh-huh. Or at least Amy Rose 1.0. Like, uh, a Amy Rose back in the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog CD um, looked very, very different. Mm -hmm. Well, she also hasn't she been seen since she Sonic CD and like, Mainline. She looked a lot more like Pink Sonic in a dress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not true. She, uh, Amy Rose did appear in uh, quite a few games, actually. Well, uh, Mainline like, games. Well, yeah, she didn't appear in the mainline games until, like, Adventure, but she still showed up, like, in yeah. the Sonic Drift series, or Sonic the Fighters, and she still looked like, um, Pink Sonic. Yeah. Like, you know, her redesign didn't hit until Sonic Adventure, but which, her... At which point, Sonic also got a pretty significant redesign. Yeah, everybody got a pretty big redesign, but I think Amy Rose was the most, um... Radical of them all. Mm -hmm. I'm like, um, what was there is um, Amy Rose's stalkerish tendency. 
<laughs> I think yeah, stalkerish tendencies might be an understatement. Uh, not not for this one. Not for this one. It, if only because she doesn't show up that much. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's another thing that got really ratcheted up in uh, the Dreamcast era. No, uh, but point of order is Amy Rose is just kind of a I don't know side venture going on here. Like she like she gets trapped in this. Uh, in this ordeal, but you know the main. And then at one at one point, she gets you know kidnapped by Metal Sonic, so that you have to race him. Well, apparently, the yeah. whole thing is something about tarot cards, thinking that she was going to meet Sonic here, so that's why she showed up. And then yeah, but... she meets him, and then he gets immediately kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the actual plot of the game is um, there is this thing that is literally called Little Planets. Like, it's a little planet, and it's named Little Planets. Not to be confused with Little Big Planet, which is a completely different game. Like, and, um, Dr. Eggman, uh, chains it to, like, um, the Earth, or Mobius, or whatever we're calling it this week. Now, and is using the power of the time zones to warp time and space. Because of course. I mean, that is another one of the major, well... This isn't a major difference because the time zones are functionally speaking the same as the Chaos Emeralds. Yeah. But technically speaking, you're not collecting um, Chaos Emeralds. Yeah, you won't go supersonic in this one. No. Uh, I'm like, um, there's uh, there's quite a bit of this game that feels a bit, how do I put this, off-brand? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a reason for that. It's like playing one of the um, Super Mario Land games. It's a Super Mario game, but it doesn't feel like one exactly. And that's because different. Um, that's because uh, Sonic uh, Team at this point split into two halves. Mm-hmm. You had um, Yuji Naka's uh, portion, which was working on Sonic Two and Sonic Three, um, and. Sonic the Hedgehog CD was being um, headed by Nato Oshima. Um, sorry if I'm, you know, I'm butchering this name. Nato Oshima. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't I didn't realize that Sonic CD was uh, was helmed by like a different uh, like a different sort of team. Yes. Yeah, and, they, um, they, they, the people on it were involved in the previous ones, but they weren't, like, the leaders in the previous ones, mostly. Um, that's not exactly true either, because um, Naoto Oshima is kind of really important because he's the actual creator of Sonic. Uh, like, the character? He, yeah, he's the, he's the guy who actually, you know, did the character design and shit. Yeah. Uh, for Sonic. No. So, you know, he was involved in the beginning as well, and this is kind of what he was doing while Yuji Naka was working on the Genesis game. Mm-hmm. And that's why Sonic CD feels a lot different than your typical Sonic game. You know, it's got a lot of the trappings, but it, you know, um, it's got things like the super peel-out move, which, you know, only appeared in this game and not until, like, um, I want to say Sonic 4, like a, a, a much later Sonic game. Um, Sonic 4 Part 2, actually. Yeah, there we are. 
Yeah, right. Sonic 4 Part 2 is literally a sequel to this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you also had the um, the weird level design and, you know, go, you know... Um, Time your travel. Idea, like, your, your objective in the game is kind of different than usual. Instead of, you know, getting to the end of the stage or, you know, even collecting each time zone or chaos emerald, um, what you do have to do, and um, this game does feature its own bonus stage. I kind uh, as an aside, I kind of miss that about Sonic games when they would have their own unique bonus games, not just rip off the Sonic Two um, yeah. bonus stage over and over yeah. again. Or actually had bonus stages. One, two, one, two, CD, and three all have pretty different bonus stage styles, but yeah. everything since then has pretty much followed one or more of those, mostly two. Right, and Sonic CD um, put you in um, what I like to call Super Nintendo land. <laughs> you know, it, because um, it looks like, I think uh, Petty Pan has been in there, if you can see from the footage. Yeah, I, but, that's where I started. Yeah. Um, you you move on a very uh, plane that's that looks like a Mode 7 uh, deal. Which but is honestly of, cool for the Genesis. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why it's there. Like, I mean, functionally speaking, it's a pretty bleh kind of bonus stage. Like, um, you're top, you're trying to destroy all the satellites in a certain amount of time, and your biggest threat is like the water. Yeah. Like, water yeah. drains your time. Like real, like super quick. Mm. You know, and I always found it to be okay, but it always reminded me of like. Like the gimmick, uh, the gimmick elements of the um, Super NES. Yeah. And no, I didn't like it when when it uh, showed up uh, there either. <laughs> awesome, going it, back it, into it, a bonus stage. Like, yeah. It, it, well, it always screamed to me, "Look at, look at this! We can do scaling and rotation." Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the the Sega CD, you know, could could do some pretty impressive stuff, you know, with mm -hmm. like scaling and rotation. Like, it's it's really kind of a shame that like that it just it, that there weren't more games that really like you know did sort of the you know the, the mode seven style of you know of gameplay because like it could have it could have like excelled at that. Well, yeah, it was better than FMV, FMV, and FMV. <laughs> Yeah, which this game does also feature a small FMV. It has it has a pretty pretty decent FMV in two of them. Yeah, two of them. yeah actually it, no three. It has I think one for each ending. Yes, it has and three. the beginning. It's got one. It's got one for the opening. It's got the good end and it's got the bad end. Yeah. Yeah, and anyway, getting back to the level design. What you're uh, what you're supposed to be doing is you got to go back into the past and destroy the roboticizer in each stage. Right. God, I remember when that was a thing. <laughs> and you activate the time travel by going past a time sign that has a time thing on it, and then going really fast because you're Sonic. Something yeah, about 88 miles per hour. <laughs> Sonic team watched Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. To the shock of nobody. Anyway, and um, when you destroy the roboticizer in the past, not only do you save the future. Like, no, seriously, if you go, if you go to the future pre um, destroying that, it'll be all dark and twisted. And, and the stage itself will actually be harder. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you do that in the 
you know, after you destroy the roboticizer, um, it's all bright and cheery, and there are no enemies. Yeah. And you destroy that, you destroy you um, destroy all enemies. And for some reason, um, Doctor Robotnik, uh, Doctor Eggman, whatever you want to call him, like I, I know people kind of interchange depending on the game. Like mm-hmm. if we're talking about the class games, they go with Doctor Robotnik, but technically speaking, he's always been Doctor Eggman. Um, anyway, um, for some reason, all the robots in this game are stuffed with flowers. Mm-hmm. Instead of animals. Yeah, but um, I'm like, but when you kill the, the robots, typically um, flowers will show up. Like, it, you know, it, it's just one of those things that looks weird it, w- within the context of its own series. You know, um... Perhaps, like, perhaps the worst aspect of this game are the bosses. Yeah. Like, I'm... Yeah. This version of the boss for, like, the basically Labyrinth Zone is possibly one of the worst bosses in the Sonic series. Well, it's also because, for some reason, every boss just takes three hits to kill. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah. Like, Sonic bosses aren't typically all that challenging, uh, you know, in general, but even but here they're they're even more of a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like three three hits is really you know just sort of permanent easy mode. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's be yeah. honest. Usually, Usually it's, it's like eight. eight. In, it's yeah, it's eight in Sonic like two and three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. T- yeah. When I think two or three hits, I think a Nintendo game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're not playing Mario here. And then a lot of the later Sonic games do the thing where you, like, can only attack the boss very rarely. But that's yeah. not much the case here. So, three yeah. goes by pretty fast. Now, of course, no discussion of Sonic CD would be complete without mentioning the soundtrack. Which one? Or soundtrack. <laughs> yes, I'd say. <laughs> because, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog CD has one of the most famous slash infamous soundtracks in the entire franchise. Spoilers, they've been reusing a lot of the remixes in the new modern Sonic games, because people like that soundtrack. Right. But, um, when I say two soundtracks, it's because, well, there's the original Japanese version, which the European version, um, uh, retained. But, for whatever reason, they rewrote um, the, the entire score... Well, not the entire score. I believe, like, the um, past music is still the same. Like, but um, most of the score was replaced by new compositions. Um, And that's been a fiery debate, no joke, for many a year. Literally, the Steam version, you can actually pick between the Japanese and English versions. it was a fiery debate until the Taxman release. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, this was actually, I think, the first Taxman uh, port, um, which first showed up on mobile. But uh, unlike, say, Sonic 2, which is still only on mobile, <laughs> I don't know why, but um, this, one, um, this game was ported to the... Uh, uh, to all the major systems of the time, except for the Wii, I think. Shockingly, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And it's on the PC, so 
And this version has both soundtracks, so whichever one you want to listen to, you can listen to. Yeah, though they don't have the vocals for the Japanese intro music. It's just the instrumental. That's probably a rights issue. Yeah, that's... But if you're looking for the Toot Toot Sonic Warrior, you're not going to be getting it. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that that just smells like, you know, they couldn't get the uh, full rights to this. No. And, you know, previous to the Taxman port, it was actually kind of hard to play Sonic CD because um, it didn't really see a lot of release. The only like, other release is the PC release that I know of. Um, that's incorrect, because there was also a thing called the Sonic Gems Collection. Yeah. Oh, actually, right. Like, 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 it, it, it's, actually, it's, it's the only way that I've ever played Sonic CD, actually, is the, the GameCube version of the Sonic Gems Collection. Right, mm. and it's worth noting that um, the GameCube version of that was um, exclusive here in North America, but in Europe and Japan, once again, I'm not exactly sure why this happened, but it did. Um, there was a PlayStation 2 version. Really? Of Son- yes, uh, of the Sonic Gems collection. Uh, like I said, I don't, I, I, I don't know why it was exclusive to the GameCube here only. Like, that's one of those things that... that only made sense to the people doing that at the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like I could tell you initially, it's because, you know, Sonic has been really, really popular on Nintendo consoles. But, you know, it's like, it's such a weird thing to make exclusive. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like the, the PS2 version of Sonic Gems Collection would almost certainly have, have sold decently, you know, in North America. Like, there's there's no reason to think that it wouldn't, you know I mean? Like, I, I wonder sort of, like, you know, what version of, like, the Sonic Mega Collection, like, you know, sold the best. Like, whether it was, like, GameCube, Xbox, or PS2. Maybe maybe it was the GameCube, you know? It's, um, it's hard to say because, well, the GameCube uh, version came out not only first, but um, it's actually a different collection. It's the Sonic Mega Collection versus the Sonic Mega Collection Plus. Oh, like, right, right, right. Yeah, it's like, the plus is there because I believe um, more games came out in that compilation. Um, I believe it had all of the Game Gear games, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. That, oh, right, right. Interesting. Yeah. So, so actually, I guess like the Mega Collection Plus is kind of like the Sonic Gems Collection combined with the Mega Collection. Right. Mega it's Collection, though, did not have Sonic the Fighters. Yeah, or huh. it was Sonic R or Sonic CD. Like, just, you know, the game, just the Game Gear games. Huh. Just the Game Gear games. Like, yeah. Se- the point is, Sega's released a lot of compilation packs, but usually they're going to be the of the Genesis games. You know, mm-hmm. seeing Sonic CD um, released, like, uh, you know, the Sonic Gems collection was its first re-release. And so that's that was, like, the big deal of the Sonic Gems collection. I think the highlight was supposed to be, like, Sonic R or something. <laughs> you know, but... If you've ever played Sonic R, <laughs> there are no highlights of that game. Only pain and misery. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. and I'm including the soundtrack on that. I know some people like that soundtrack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Just, no. To Easter own. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm like, but, but at least I, the soundtrack is a matter of taste. Like, Sonic R um, is, objectively speaking, a bad game. Bad handling, bad controls, and just—I just think someone was on drugs when that was being made, but that's not the game we're talking about tonight. Yeah, no. 
I mean, like, uh, it, it, uh, it, like it has his fans. It has his fans. But like, you know, just what the like? Why? Why did Sega make a Sonic racing game when they could have made a like a, a full fledged platformer? I wonder. Um, I can actually answer that. It's because they didn't have that full fledged pl- platformer. I'm like that. Uh, Sonic Extreme got canceled because the project yeah. was just um, a hot mess. <laughs> like, no, no, seriously. Um, the behind-the-scenes reports that have come out um, about the game in the intervening years just shows that the game was in the, was kind of in the crosshairs of a political struggle between Sega of America and Sega of Japan. Like, yeah. it was, you know, and there were some design choices that were just burdensome and, um, you know, uh, and, like, the producer was working on it until he had to be hospitalized. And once that happened, the game got canceled. Wow. So Sonic R was trotted out um, to just have something for that Christmas release season. I see. So kind of like, just like fill, like fill, like, like an opening. You know, like yes. we, we need, we need a game. We need a high-profile Saturn release by like you know December 1995. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it was. Uh, this is also why Sonic 3D Blast got brought to the Saturn. It's just like. Um, we have a hole to fill, and you know we got to put something there. Something is better than nothing. Yeah. Um, but getting to, back to Sonic CD, like um, it's generally considered to be one of the better Sonic games. Although I don't think I've ever seen anyone say Sonic CD is my favorite Sonic. Yeah. I'm sure those people exist, but. They're there also wrong that, because Sonic 3 and Knuckles is the best. <laughs> that, that aside, it's also, um, a, you know, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. It's not one of the most widely played Sonic games, I don't imagine. Uh, no. Mm. Not in comparison, like, certainly not in comparison to, you know, Sonic 2 or Sonic, like, we, we have the sales numbers, we... we we know a lot more people have played like you know the main Genesis trilogy versus Sonic CD, if only yeah. because more people had access to stock Genesis than Sega uh, Sega CDs. You know Sonic, you know like Sonic the Hedgehog two has been released how many fucking times now? <laughs> if you own a Sonic yeah. compilation, you have Sonic two. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like versus Sonic CD, which is only been like what. Has only appeared in one collection and only got one enhanced port. Granted, that port is on everything now, but until that happened, you know, there was no easy way to uh, play Sonic CD. Also, yes, there yeah. was uh, there was an initial PC version of uh, Sonic CD as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's I like, <laughs> you know. Uh, I have, but spoilers, it doesn't work on 32-bit operating systems. Yeah, there's a reason why a modern port had to be done for the PC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, anyway Sonic, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog CD seems to be a rather beloved uh, 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 Sonic the Hedgehog title, just not the most beloved, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. you know, I, I think. Oh, 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 sorry. Go on. 
no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, like, I think it was, uh, was it, uh, was it, uh, uh, Gullix, you, you, like, you mentioned earlier that it was, you know, sort of like the, the, the Mario Land of, you know, of the Sonic franchise, you know, I, I think that I think it's, it like, it's that like a very, yeah. oh, I, I'm sorry, my, my apologies, yeah, I, I, if, if that was, if that was your observation, I think that's, like, that's totally spot on, you know, and that, that kind of lends it, like, a certain novelty, you know, it's like Sonic CD, it stands apart from the rest of the franchise, and, like, it's, as a result, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of have a, have like a special, you know, love for Sonic CD, you know, like, but I, I do have to wonder, you know, like objectively, I mean, of course it's like, it's, it's an impossible thing to say, but like objectively is Sonic CD, like as, you know, is, is Sonic CD objectively as good as Sonic 3 and Knuckles? I mean, I guess it's purely a, a matter of opinion, but like, you know, when, when you, when you factor in sort of how many things are kind of like slightly off about Sonic CD versus like how polished, you know, a game like Sonic 3 and Knuckles is, you know, it's like it's—I don't know. Like a, per, a person can have a favorite, and that's that's one thing. But like to say it's like the best of the series is another. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and that'll about do it for our topic of discussion this week. And indeed, that'll about do it for this uh, for uh, the entire episode. Um, we got to wrap up because um, we got to switch over to MSP um, in a few minutes here. Um, indeed, we are having an episode of uh, Moonhawk Studios Presents. Uh, Mac has confirmed this, and um, he's got some important announcements to talk about, um, including something that's dropping on Friday. Yeah, I, I sure. hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I I know it's coming because I saw it last night. Mm-hmm. Now, he showed me he showed me the finished product, so it's there, it's ready, um, and. You know, just uh, just waiting for everything to line up, I guess. Anyway, so yeah, that is happening. Um, coming up in the week ahead, uh, we have reviews of Trick Style and Formulate uh, happening this Sunday. Um, and uh, next week we've got Jeff Glasson of Meridian Four. Um, they're the uh, publisher of Vive La Ra and other games. Um, and on a very, very special time, uh, Thursday, March 16th, noon, um, yeah, it's uh, Yassine uh, Sal- uh, Salmi, I-, I think that's how you pronounce this, uh, of Salmi Games. Uh, they're the uh, publisher of Ellipses and uh, developer as well. Um, so we're going to be talking to them. So, uh, yeah, we got a full week ahead. And until, well, until, you know, a few minutes from now on another channel, I wish you good gaming. <laughs>